Father in heaven, we do thank you for the blessings that you've given to us. And Father, we pray that this weekend was not just an exercise of a day in fellowship, but a day set apart, holy, where we can have our minds focused on the word of God. We thank you for the nature of Kohara Springs around us. We thank you for the programming, um, all the leaders coming together in the children's divisions. And Father, we thank you for having spent with us time and, and energy and, and a relationship with us. Father, here tonight we pray as we open the word of God one more time, not to hear a good story, not to have our ears tickled, but to have our spirits, our, our souls spoken to, where our, our, our innermost being resonates with the words of Jesus Christ himself. This is our humble prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Matthew. Matthew. Again, once again, if you come to church, I'm going to ask you to bring your Bibles. This is the last message, so there's really no other opportunity to bring your Bibles. But next Sabbath, when you come to church, bring your Bibles. Make it a habit to bring your Bibles, in, preferably not on your phone or your, as an app, but really as a, really a, a book in hand. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew is the first gospel of the New Testament. Chapter 6 is after chapter 25. If you're there, please say amen. Verse 6. If you're not there, please say, wait for me, pastor. Oh, really? You're all there? Okay, verse 26. Oh, verse 6. <laughs> now when Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment. And she poured it on his head as he sat at meat. Verse 8, But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this, what's the next word? Waste. So here they are, they're sitting at dinner time. And by the way, when they ate at dinner time, they're not sitting in these modern Western chairs. They were, they were leaning on one side and they're laying on the floor, and their feet were sticking out towards out, away from the, from the, from the food. In comes a woman, and she takes this box. And this is a very familiar story, but we're going to look at this a little bit deeper. She breaks this box, and there's some people there in the room, and they're shaking their heads. Right? Such a waste, that expensive thing. Why would they do that? Verse 9, what do they say? For this ointment must, might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood and he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but not but me you will not have always. For in that she hath poured forth this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman hath done, be told for a memorial of her. They're saying what this person did was a waste of money. How many of you have ever experienced a waste of money? You, 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 uh, I had a friend who just bought something on Craigslist and was not the smartest cookie in the cookie jar. And he gave all the money on eBay already and he showed up at the predetermined location. And guess what? The guy never showed. It's an LCD TV and he lost $3,000. And I'm thinking, and he blamed himself. Man, what, what, he, he was dumb. What a waste. Waste of money. Some ways to waste money is to use insurance on things you don't use. I went to Costco one time, and we bought a Vitamix. The thing's expensive. 
couple hundred dollars for a dumb little blender on the engine with a little knife on it. And you just, awesome smoothies you can get out of it. They asked afterwards, hey, would you like insurance on it? No, don't need insurance on it. But then I think, hmm, maybe I should get some insurance because you don't know. Maybe blah, blah, blah. We bought some insurance on it. We never ended up using the Vitamix. And month after month, we're paying an insurance on something we're not using. Is that a waste of money? Yes, it is. Warranties that are more expensive than the item. Does this make sense? Would you like to buy a computer? Yes, we'll buy it. Would you like a warranty? How much is the warranty? It's more expensive than the computer itself. Then why am I getting a warranty? Why I would just buy the computer and pay less. Another computer and pay less. Buying a new car. Upon buying a new car, you drive it off the lot. It depreciates a couple thousand dollars immediately upon buying it. Buying first-class airplane tickets, I believe, is a waste of money. Why? You're going to the same place. Now, it is a little bit more comfortable. If you're, buying, if you're flying internationally, it is very comfortable. But you're going to the same place. But there's about $10,000 difference, according to some airline uh, providers. Another waste of money is gym memberships. How many of you have a membership to the gym and you never go? You, know, you don't have to raise this is confession time. This is not a Roman Catholic church. A waste of money. Here this woman comes and she takes an alabaster box and, and breaks it in front of Jesus' feet and some guy is shaking his head. This is a waste. Go to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. We're going to look at the same story in another gospel. Mark chapter 14, verse 3. If you're there, please say amen. If you're not there, please say, wait for me. Okay, I don't believe that you would say that. Well, I'll read it anyway. Verse 3. Being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. She break she the box, poured it on his head, and there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this what? Waste of an ointment made. Same, we read this before, very similar. But Mark adds another detail that Matthew did not. Verse 5. For it might have been sold for more than what? 300 pence. The Bible actually says how much this was. A lot of you, and I heard, I don't know if this is true, according to Reader's Digest, uh, Asians have um, sweat glands that are the least concentrated uh, per millimeter of skin area, surface area, compared to all cultures of the world. Therefore, Koreans sweat less, and because Koreans sweat less, our armpits do not smell as other, other cultures do. I don't know who created this study. I don't know who actually counted how many sweat pores that Koreans have. I don't know if this is true, but this is what I heard. Therefore, deodorant is not, does not sell well in South Korea. In other parts of the world, perfume and deodorant and smells are very, very important. In the history of ointments, it is said that it is France that brought fragrances to their next level of luxury. Why? Because in Paris, there was no running water. People did not take showers for long periods of time. In order to not offend other people with their smells, they would spray uh, uh, themselves with different fragrances. That's why even today, the most expensive fragrances are come from France. They use, I don't, I, I don't like the French language. There's extra letters there, extra vowels there that are unnecessary. A-E-U-X-I-Z-Y-K. 
and these French mastered ointments and fragrances. Now, there are some cheaper ones, and a lot of you may use the Walmart version or the, 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 the Walgreen version. What differentiates an expensive perfume from a cheaper perfume is the content, is the base that's used. If it is alcohol-based, it is very cheap. You spray it on, a couple minutes later, it goes away because the alcohol has evaporated. You just paid for something expensive, but it only lasts for a couple minutes. That's why you need to keep spraying all throughout the day. And then later on, and after you keep on spraying, and, then after, and this is what happens to when you get Walmart brand uh, scents. The more expensive ones are based on oils. Because when you spray it on, it's an oil that goes on your skin, and then it stays there, and you smell like this the whole time. Now, the most expensive ointments are ones that you spray on you, these oils, and they get absorbed by your body. And then what happens, it, it, it encounters your own body's physiology. And then you start sweating. And then your natural body odors get converted into this smell. Very interesting. For men, one of the most expensive, not the most, one of the most popular uh, a sense out there is from Giorgio Armani's Aqua de Jo. If you do the calculations per one fl- uh, fluid ounce, it is $35. Okay? Not expensive, not cheap, kind of the standard what men would, 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 uh, would, would spray on them. Um, according to a survey many years ago, it was the scent that many women still enjoyed to this day in 2014. Tonight, there are going to be many, many men who are going to go and buy Giorgio Armani Aqua de Jo. There is another perfume out there called Chanel Number no. Five. Have you heard of Chanel Number no. Five? Coco, Coco Chanel developed Number no. Five after Number no. One, Two, and Three, and Four failed. Number no. Five was something that was successful. Was the epitome of femininity. Per calculation, one fluid ounce is fifty-eight dollars. So twice that of Giorgio Armani. Okay. How many of you are familiar with Chanel Number no. 5? It is a Ajima style of a perfume, but many people still know. Many of your mothers wear Chanel Number no. 5. I went on the internet and I found something called Jean Petot Joy. <laughs> per one fluid ounce, it is $800. I did even more internet research and they found there was a guy named Clive Christian, Number no. 1. Per one fluid ounce, it is $1,075. But I found the most expensive perfume, uh, at least to date, I mean, I could be, you can, you can um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is Clive Christian's Imperial Majesté. And I don't know why they always French name, but, you know, whatever. Per one fluid ounce, it is $12,647. It is made out of fused diamonds, and it has golden pow- uh, powdered gold inside the actual uh, uh, boy, got the, the liquid. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're spraying, you're spraying gold on you. Amazing. Can you imagine? One, 12647 So just to give you, Giorgio Armani, that's the one that a lot of us use here, $35. 
Imperial Majesty, $12,647. So this, this perfume was 300 pence. Pastor, what in the world is 300 pence? According to Matthew chapter 20, verse 2, one day's pence is eight hours worth of, of labor. Let's say minimum wage was seven fifteen. I don't know what it is here in Georgia. Seven fifteen multiplied by eight is fifty seven point twenty cents is one pence. How many pence was it? Three hundred. So multiply fifty seven point twenty cents times three hundred. You get seventeen thousand one hundred and sixty dollars. Was this an expensive piece of perfume? Very expensive. Many of the cars that we drive, well, maybe like the the lower end ones, are about seventeen thousand dollars. Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. Let's look at what Luke's version has to say. Each of these gospel stories gives a different uh, detail that the other one does not. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Are you there? Verse 36. One of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. He went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. Verse 37. And behold... A woman in the city, which was a what? Now, the Bible describes this woman to be a what? Sinner. Well, question, aren't we all sinners? So then to go out of your way and to to describe a particular woman, and she was in the city, and she was a sinner, denotes a certain kind of sinful woman. Do you know what I'm talking about? She was particular, she's probably someone who worked in the red light district. Someone who would use her physical means to provide for her, for her physical means. Verse 37, Behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus had sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, she stood at its feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and had wiped them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Verse 44. He turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered in your house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since I came, the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My feet with oil thou didst not, did not anoint, but this woman has anointed my feet with ointment. Verse 47, Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Here this woman comes, and you've got to understand, and I think a lot of uh, the, the, the Asian Eastern mentality does, in a desert culture, especially living back then, there are many animals going back and forth. Yeah, when there's camels, cows, sheep, horses, oxen, pigs, and the one when you have animals that are walking all around the marketplace and the street, animals leave behind what? Gifts. Yes, they're all around. There was no centralized water plumbing system, so there's, the water is just all whatever. And in, if you're inside your home and you, you've cleaned and you got some nasty water or some nasty, nasty bathroom water left over, back then you just open your door and you just throw it outside and we just splash all over the middle of nowhere. So here you are in the middle of the street 
animal gifts all around, looking like chocolate, you know, dumplings all everywhere. Then you have people's nasty water all over. And then you also have sand from the deserts, deserts blowing all through. And then your feet, are they, uh, are they covered by, you know, these, these rubber, you know, insulated boots? No, back then it was just a piece of hard leather and some, an, an animal um, a ligament that was dried. And you just tied this thing all around your legs. As you're walking, you're stepping into all this stuff. And back then it was just like, it was whatever. And inside your toes, you got like dead animal dung, you got sand, grimy, and you got sweat, you got, and it's crustifying, it becomes cakey. Then you come home, okay? You come home, and this, 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 this makes sense. When you come home, you would just stand in the lobby because your feet are crustified, okay? And then the servants would come, and they'd take a chisel, and they're chiseling away the hard, dungified stuff, and they're washing their feet and whatever. Jesus and his 12 disciples came after a long day of walking, and they're standing in the lobby, and they're saying, okay, who's the, there's no servant, so who's the kobongi here that's going to wash all of our feet? I'm like, John, you wash. I'm not going to wash it. Peter, you wash. No, 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 I'm not going to wash it. And while they're arguing, Jesus has disappeared, he pops up, and what does he have in his hands? He has some sugon, some towels, and some, some water, and he kneels, and he says, I will wash your feet. And these guys oh, no, 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 no. And then Peter is like, if you wash my feet, then wash my head also. And Peter is kind of, you know, extremist, and he goes all the way. Do you understand washing your feet has some special significance? Feet are considered dirty. You would never bring your shoes inside a Middle Eastern home. And get, get this, in the Eastern cultures, we have taken this cultural uh, experience, uh, this, this, this practice on. When you, in a Korean home, when you come home, what do you do? You take off your shoes. In the Western culture, you step all over the nastiest parts of the world and you come home into your neighbor, your, all throughout the neighborhood, you come in and go into your, 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 your bedroom and you take off your sneakers and it's like all that stuff is inside your house. Nasty. In Korean churches, you come in, you take off your shoes, and you put on slippers. And you go all throughout the church in slippers, and you get back and you take your slippers off. And you put Shoes and feet is a huge thing. It's the dirtiest part of the body that has contact with the world and the animal poo and, and all the nastiness of it, whatever, 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 whatever. So here's Jesus, and he's sitting at, at to, to eat, and his feet are stuck out, and in comes a woman. And she breaks $17,000 perfume over the feet of Jesus. And she's crying. And she's taking her hair and washing his feet. The Bible says that this Mary was a sinner. In Luke chapter 10, verse 39, Mary sits at the feet of Jesus. John eleven thirty two, 32, Mary falls at the feet of Jesus. John chapter 12, verse 3, Mary anoints the feet of Jesus. John 19, 25, Mary is at the foot of Jesus. John chapter 20, verse 11, Mary stoops down in reverence. Mark chapter 16, verse 9, this is the same Mary Magdalene who had seven demons. Get this. Mary had seven demons. Demon number one comes in. She goes to Jesus and, Jesus, can you take this demon out? Jesus says, yes. She goes around. She comes back, sorry, Jesus. I promise this is the last time I have another demon. Jesus casts the demon out. Third time, Mary comes out and says, I'm so sorry. I know the first two is just a mistake. I don't know what. This is the real last time. The third. Seven times, Mary comes back to Jesus. This is the, 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 the Mary that Jesus forgave seven times. 
Now, she is a sinner. Okay, I'll speak straight. She's a prostitute. She's prostituting her body. Now, question. How do prostitutes make money? She sells her body. Everyone, how much... You don't have to calculate. But how many men did she have to service to accumulate $17,000? To a prostitute who doesn't value her, her body, who has a, a, has a, who's on a survival mode, what does perfume mean to her? And instead of buying cheap Walmart perfume, she's buying the most expensive perfume. You see, the story of Mary is not, she's not some normal girl that Jesus forgave. She was a girl who was struggling. And she was struggling to find righteousness, trying to find value in her life. And she's thinking, you know what? I'm going to save up to buy the most expensive perfume I can find. And when I spray that perfume on me, at least for a moment, I'll feel like an expensive girl. I won't be this cheap prostitute anymore. I'm going to save up this, this perfume for, for a really good moment. And she had to service all, to do all these crazy things. But what does she do? Instead of saving this up for herself, she finds someone who is better than for a, just, a, just a, for a short period of glory. She finds the Lord Jesus Christ, who's forgiven her seven times. She finds him. And she breaks $17,000 worth of precious ointment on Jesus' feet. And she takes her hair and she washes Jesus' feet with her hair. Now, did you know, to men, hair means nothing. Yes? Hair is hair. Shave her head, it grows back. But to a woman, hair is her glory. Gentlemen, have you ever seen the instruments and the tools that women have in constructing their hair on Sabbath morning. You have a drill bit. You have a, con- a concrete mixer. You have a, you know, a drill gun. I don't, you have all these accoutrements. We helped someone move, and just one box was just full of hair accoutrements. There was one that was a pinching jig. There was one that was a roller jig. There was a hair dryer. There was a pinching jig, jig with the dryer built into it. There was a pinching jig with just the, with the roller jig and all these things. Hair is glory to a woman. If hair looks horrible, the woman's portrayal is, looks weird. Men, just, you know, we just shave our head off. We look like Michael Jordan. We're fine. Okay. Here, she says, for a prostitute specifically, her saleability, her beauty, her alluringness, her ability to, to bring men in is dependent on how majestic her hair looks. But she comes to the foot of Jesus and she says, Look, my hair is worthless. I don't want it to serve at men anymore. Now my hair, the only value it has is to wipe the feet of Jesus Christ. John chapter 12 is the last passage for today. John chapter 12, verse 1. If you're there, please say amen. John chapter 12, verse 1. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus, Lazarus, which 
which was had been dead, where where Lazarus was, that's a tank twister, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he had been raised from the dead, there they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table, table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, and what are the next two words? Very costly, anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and get this, the house was filled with the what of the what? John is the only one that mentions this. John says she broke this box, and the whole house was full of this ointment. Was this an expensive ointment? Now here you don't understand. John is the only one who saw this because he was actually at the cross. Because it's expensive, it's not the Walmart kind that effervesces as when alcohol just goes away after a couple hours. When you have expensive oil, all you need is a little bit. You know how women do it? They take a little, they take the little the, the top things out and they rub the end on their on their on their on their boy I go the uh, wrists and they put a little bit on their uh, not, what is this area called? The nape of the neck, is that what it is? Right here, right here. And all they need is a little bit because if you use too much, you start, it's, it's too strong. Have you ever sat next to someone with a strong perfume? Like an Italian dude who's like, like golden rings, golden rings, golden chains around him. He's got like hair coming out and just smells like Walmart. Uh, <laughs> all you need is a little bit of expensive stuff. Here she has this whole pound of it, and she breaks it. And what happens is just spreads to the whole house. Jesus' feet are anointed with it. Spikenard oil, if you do a little bit of research, is native only to the Himalayan mountains of India. It grows in India, Nepal, Bhutan, in those, in those areas, and is only found in elevations between 11,000 to 7,000 feet, and used by kings, priests, and ancient royalty. This is the ex- most expensive stuff. It was also in an alabaster box. If you go to the perfume store, you see like, it's not only the smell, but it's also the box, all the, the container that it comes in. Ever seen some of those things? Some of them look like little gems, you know, and, and Britney Spears and J-Lo and, and you know, all have these, these magical like little jewels of diamonds that you open up. This is an alabaster box. Alabaster is the color white, and it is very, very fragile. You scratch your fingernail on it, and it just, it just stays there forever. What does white, and what does perfume mean to a sinful woman? It is the epitome of purity, the, pure, the epitome of value, the epitome of... This, this was like she's waiting for this, and she cracks this open at Jesus' feet. Jesus, if you read the Spirit of Prophecy and Desire of Ages... Jesus was on the cross. And he's looking for some form of encouragement. He looks around, and where are his 12 best friends? One just betrayed him. The 11 have fled away. He's looking to God the Father for some encouragement. But what does God the Father do? Clouds come, and he just feels the withdrawing of God's presence. He looks towards his left and right, and there's these two robbers, and they're just talking about him. The Romans are making fun of him. Jesus is looking for some form of encouragement. And we talked about this morning. Here, his lungs are sagging. He, he steps up a little. He, he pushes up from his legs. He takes a deep breath. Question, what 
was he smelling? He smelt the sacrifice of a woman. He smelt that this was his role in life to provide righteousness for Mary. And through a smell, through a smell, Jesus was encouraged to stay on the cross. He realized he needed to finish his mission thanks to a memorial anointing of Mary. Because if he didn't die on the cross, Mary would still have remained a sinner. Was this a waste? Was $17,000, was it a waste for Mary to spend on Jesus? This waste was encouragement to the Savior of our world. I want to ask you, what are your hopes and your dreams based on? This, this morning, this afternoon, I, I talked about in my, in my Q&A. Um, some of my, my life experiences. It's very uncanny for me to see as a Korean people, and the majority of you are Koreans here, why do we have so many doctors and so many lawyers and so many dentists? For those of you who are lawyers and, and, and doctors, and, and praise the Lord that you're in the professions that you are, we need these. But as a people, are we, are we, are we objects of the culture around us, and are we just pawns of our parental generation? Are we in a sociological pattern that we can't get out of? What are you wasting your life on? Your parents came over here from the the Pacific Ocean through an airplane or through a boat, if you're here from a very long time ago. And in an immigrant mind, you got to understand the immigrant mind. I pastored a Korean-American church, a Korean-Korean church, and an American-American church. And you need to understand an immigrant mind. They are on survival mode. When you're on survival mode, you don't care what you do. You do everything you can to make money. And you, you, have, you, you give birth to children. Your children are not the object of your affections. They are your future. They are your retirement plan. They are your health insurance plan. They are your future. They are your security. They are your dreams or your hopes. They do everything and get our parents go through years of dry cleaning, years of dental technicianing, years of, of janitorizing, years of whatever, whatever, whatever. That is, that is normal for a first-generation immigrant culture to go through. The next generation follows through and like, man, my parents went through so much that I need to do my best. I need to get that MD, PhD, JD. By the way, I'm not saying this is wrong, but this is, this is a common pattern when it comes to sociology of immigration. Now, what happens, what's very interesting is this. This generation is super successful. They get the highest levels of, of education. They become very successful. They become rich, powerful levels of society. They give birth to the third generation. And guess what? The third generation doesn't know how hard the parents have had it. They're just like, then they're living in the upper echelon of society and they become numb to the sacrifices of their grandparents. And they, they start bringing the culture down. Are you part of this? Generation number one is look, their hopes and dreams are in their children. And if the parents were here, I would say, 
sacrifice your children to the Lord Jesus Christ. Crack your children over the Lord Jesus Christ. To generation two, it is getting that degree, getting that level of achievement. If I only do this, I will be acknowledged by my parents, I can support my parents, then I have enough money to do all these things. I would say, sacrifice your future on the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not a waste. Too often, and I'm not saying we shouldn't have high aspirations, not at all. But we have all these things in our minds. If I just do this, 이거 하나만 가지면, everything will be okay. Just like Mary. If I just get that perfume, I'll be a good girl. I'll be a clean, beautiful girl. But beyond this perfume, there is the Lord Jesus that gives you so much more. And I say today, crack open your perfume before the Lord Jesus Christ. I had the awesome privilege to um, go to a Jewish college upon graduating. I went to uh, Harvard Medical School to do ALS uh, research, molecular neuro-oncology. Got to work with stem cells, mice. We chopped up their heads and take their brains and look them under scan. It was awesome, 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 awesome. My parents were elated. Every Korean parent wants their kid to go to Harvard and Stanford and Yale. I have friends whose little brother is named Habadu. <laughs> their other cousin is named Stanpadu. And the other one is Kim Yeil. Like, what, what drives people with the obsession for the Ivy League? I don't understand. But here I was. And it was so cool. I got, to, got a little, little ID card. And here I'm at Harvard Medical. I swipe this ID card. And level seven inches, ding, opens in. I have to put like a cap on, all these things. And you enter this warehouse. The warehouse is like the size of this entire, it's a huge complex in Boston, all full of mice. And there all the, you're like, all around these little plastic clear boxes, and I have to find mine, okay, C129, and get them, and okay, and we, we inject tumors into their brains, and we find little, like, stem cells, we take the stem cells, and we cut off their, 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 um, their neural cords, and see how they grow back, awesome stuff, and I'm realizing, I've, I, I'm here, and I, and I told some, of, some others in my story, and I'm, I'm meeting doctors who are, like, the highest levels of society, they're going to be, like, the UN Surgeon General someday, and whatever, and I'm thinking, I hate being here. The arrogance and the pride is just dripping out of them. And the whole time, I'm trying to witness to a Muslim guy. I'm giving Bible studies to a Catholic secretary downstairs in the lobby. I'm doing campus ministries at Harvard and BC and BU and whatnot. I'm thinking, man, I have more fun doing ministry, giving Bible studies, than being at Harvard. So I, I decided, Lord, what do you want me to do? I, and then you start, you, start, you start rationalizing. Lord, you said in medical ministry, we need to be medical missionaries. I want to go to Africa and win thousands of people for you. And I want to go to, you know, no, 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 all these things. Through a long set of, of uh, longer story, which I told this this afternoon, I got to go to Andrews, became a pastor. And today, by God's grace, I'm, I'm working for the Michigan Conference. But this is what my parents said. They're talking to their Korean parents, uh, to Korean friends. The Korean community said, oh, what a waste. So what a waste. Here he is. He's reached the top echelon of society. 
and now he's a youth pastor in a Korean church. And I'm thinking, yeah, what, this is a waste. Like, what am I doing here? And I told other people that, like, I need to get married. Who's going to marry me? I'm like a youth pastor. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with being a youth pastor. There's some youth pastors in this room. But who's going to marry me? Like, I'm, no, no Korean girl is going to want to marry. Like, no Korean girl like, is born. like, I want to be a Samoni when I grow up. No one says that. <laughs> and if you do, there's something wrong with you. God calls people to be pastors, and God calls girls to be Samonims. I really believe that. But you shouldn't aspire to be one. If you do, talk to me, and I'll talk you out of it. Unless God, the Lord calls you to it. But through a, a, a through the, the Lord worked it out where, get this, we got started a project called GYC. GYC was just something, a, a group of friends and I, we started something, we're like, hey, you know what you want to do? Something? Oh, okay, we started GYC. GYC, maybe, maybe 100 people, 100 people will show up. First year, 400 people will show up. Praise the Lord, 400. Okay, well, hey, let's do this next year. Hey, maybe 500 people, 1,000 people show up. Whoa. Okay, let's do it, let's do it next year. This is really successful. Maybe 1,200 people. 2,000 people show up. Whoa. Okay, should we do this again next year? <laughs> yeah. 4,000 people show up the year after that. By this time, this gets on tele- television, and GYC goes international. People in Russia are watching GYC. People in Australia, New Zealand, India, Africa, people, places I've never even thought about. They're wa- people in Iceland are watching GYC. Do you know where Iceland is? It's like where the ice is at. And then we're, we're doing all these things, and all of a sudden, in a very short period of time, the whole world, I mean the whole world, Adventists throughout the world are learning about GYC. And they're saying, Justin, they're saying, oh, the rest of the leaders, come, come here and tell us how it's done. So we're going to travel around the world for free. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. My parents are like, you go GYC, go boya. No, uh, Dad, I need to go to Australia. No way, Australia, where go? Why are you going to Australia? Well, it's because of GYC. No, Now, you do realize, and this is the irony, we got to travel to Africa, to Europe, to, to, to Russia, to different parts of Asia, uh, Taiwan, Australia, Canada, really far away place, Canada. Uh, Awesome things, awesome experiences. And this, GYC is getting bigger. The world church is recognized. This is, this is all like, this is so crazy. This is not something that we did. And my parents said, this is a waste. This is a waste. It's like, Lord, you need to take care of my parents. First of all, you need to take care of their future because I'm a pastor. I don't have enough money. I don't have a retirement plan to take care of my So you literally need to take care of my parents on one level. Okay. Well, number two, you've got to take care of their attitude. What's crazy is we started something in Korea. We started GYC Korea. Now, what's crazy is for Korean parents, you could conquer the world, like, yeah, Kamatanya. But you conquer Korea, Hangugedaro! <gasps> Which to the Korean mind, that's like the whole world to them. We got meetings with a union president. Now, to me, I'm just a like, union president, is union president. To my parents, like, union president! It's like huge! Then they realized, Oh, you could GYC ga, boga jum, boga, boga jum in the gatunde, boga jumita. I think there's something to this. 
then we had the privilege of having it in Baltimore, and my parents were living in New Jersey, and say, hey, and this is, the, what I'm, I'm sharing this with you to tell you that the Lord takes care of everything. You understand? This is, you understand what I'm trying to get with you? Mom, Dad, why don't you come to GYC? All expenses paid. We want to give you a free VIP, whatever. Yeah, sure. They come down. They walked into auditorium, and they've never seen 7,000 seats in a convention center. And my mom's mouth, mouth dropped, dropped. So you <laughs> All these seats? Someone's going to sit in them? Yeah. And see over there? That's the satellite that projects it to the whole world. And by the way, I need to be up there in, in, a, in a couple minutes, so I'll see you later. Like, Mom, you want to be on? On, on GYC? And she's like, no, 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 Actually, she's like, let me put something on. But then she said, she said no after that. Afterwards, they realized, whoa. This is far beyond our son. This is a calling from God. And because of this experience, even my parents, and they're here this weekend, my parents got closer to the Lord Jesus Christ, something I've been praying for. So praise the Lord. My parents are getting closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. Then they realized, hey, we need to invest in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our son is not our future investment. It's God. Is that awesome? Afterwards, I found uh, the last concern I had was like, Lord, I'm doing all this. I'm, I'm in campus ministries. I'm working for the World Church or GYC. Lord, uh, who's going to marry? I don't want, uh, no one wants to marry someone like me. It's a legitimate concern. And I'm sharing this with you. I'm opening up my heart because it's a legitimate concern. You need to have a doctor. You need to, you need to be a dentist. Who's going to marry a pastor? Unless the weird Samonim types want to marry. I don't want to marry a weird Samonim type. Lo and behold, there was a girl on the other side of the world in Korea. And I resolved when I was little, I will never marry a Korean, Korean person. Korean, Korean people are weird. They don't speak English. And guess what? She resolved in her heart, she will never marry a Korean-American Ize. They're spoiled. They don't even speak the Korean language. They're like, no, 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 no. Another long story, but God worked it out. And praise the Lord. She was busy doing the Lord's work. I was busy doing the Lord's work. And when you're busy doing the Lord's work, God will do your work for you. I'm a, test, I'm a, I'm a testimony to that. I want to share that with you. The Lord will do your work for you. And he allowed us to come to I believe she's the most beautiful girl in the whole universe. We gave birth to the whole most beautiful boy in the universe until we have a second born. And the second born might be more beautiful. We don't know yet. But the first born is still the first most beautiful right now that we know of. And I have the privilege of leaving Michigan and coming down in a weekend to a place called Kohara Springs to, talking, to talk to people from Georgia and Tennessee about what the Lord has done for me. And it was not a waste. It's been the most awesome blessing the Lord has given me. And I'm imploring all of you, waste your lives on Jesus. Because if you waste your life on Jesus, it is never a waste. Let's pray. Father in heaven, this room holds so much potential. Far more potential than the 12 disciples that you chose. Lord, humanly speaking, I, like, I, I, I pray to you that I say that. There's more wealth here, intelligence here, experience here, health here, 
uh, resources, networking. There's just so much potential in this room. Father, cause our hearts to give not only 100, but 1,000% but of ourselves. And, and Lord, to a certain degree, we can't even do that. We need your help to give us back to you. Lord, if there's something in our hearts, if there's something in our hearts that we treasure, if it's that perfume, that one goal, that one dream, that one, that one thing, cause that to be known in our hearts. And may we give it to you here tonight. Father, we are tired of working in this world for something that is useless, trying to impress people that we don't like, acquiring things that we don't need. Convert our hearts, our minds, our bank accounts, our cars, our educational degrees, our children, our parents, our pastors, the committees that we serve on, our cubicles, our laptops, our, 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 our technology, whatever we have, from our shoelaces to the screws in our glasses. May we lay it all before you. And Lord, may we give just a little bit of encouragement to our Lord Jesus up in heaven who is ministering on our behalf. Lord, may we waste our lives on you because if we waste on you, it is never a waste. This is our humble prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.